Hello, and welcome back to season two of the 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking Alcohol podcast. I'm Diane Gibbs, your hostess with the mostest, and I am going to continue to share my stories of drinking and drunking my way through 30 plus years and how I finally found freedom from alcohol. I'm still having fun. These stories are real, raw, and relatable. So hang on and get ready for the next one. Okay, and welcome back to the 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking Alcohol. Have I got the most epic story for you today? Those who know me have heard this story and it's brought me to possibly be a legend in many people's mind, especially those who understand East Grand Rapids and where I came from. So it is June uh, 21st. This happens to be episode 61. This took place 33 years ago, June 15th of 1990. This happened in East Grand Rapids. I was a senior in college and um, I had just actually gotten home from college, was hanging out with some friends, and I was getting ready to move to Ludington for the summer. So let me tell you what happened. I got together with my friends. We had dinner over at one of our friend's house and we were drinking and probably not eating a lot, but I was with some friends that were some good cooks. So I'm sure we had a delicious meal. It was getting close to midnight and some of them wanted to go home, but I was still ripping and roaring and ready to go. So I decided I was going to jump in my car and my Toyota Camry and head downtown. Now, I was on the way downtown. I was actually just happening to pass my parents' block where the, they, their house was, Cambridge Boulevard. And all of a sudden, I got, I see the lights behind me of the cop indicating for me to pull over. And I was like, holy shit, what's going on here? And I, he said that he had pulled me over because I was tailing too close to the car in front of me. And I said, well, officer, I am tailing because I'm following my friends to a party and I just wasn't sure where it was at. So he decided to um, administer the field sobriety test to assess my situation and I didn't do so well. So, After that, he decided to administer the breathalyzer. Well, while we were sitting there waiting for the results of the breathalyzer, there was a call that came in on the radio that some officers needed some assistance down the street. You could hear the address. It was also on Cambridge Boulevard. And so the officer looks at me and he pulls out the handcuffs and he goes to put them on me. And I said, officer, why would you put handcuffs on me? I'm, you know... I am an innocent young girl. And he said, this is just what we need to do. He put the handcuffs on and put me in back of the police suburban. I was shitting my pants, but all I 
think about was my keys were still in the ignition of the car. And if he was going to remove me from the scene, I didn't want anybody to steal my car. So I said, oh, officer, my keys are in the car. And he hopped out to grab them. So here we are on Lake Drive. Um, he kind of does a U-turn and then he goes right down Cambridge, right past my parents' house, which I never indicated where I lived. I never said, please let me go. I live right here. Never gave any indication of that. Also, no, he never asked me. Um, he never actually asked me for my driver's license. So here I am. We drive down the street. He pulls up into one of uh, um, uh, one of my classmates' houses, and his younger sister was apparently having a party. And so he said he pulled up on the wrong side of the road, and he said he would be back. And I sat there and went, "I am in so much fucking trouble. I'm supposed to be moving to Ludington tomorrow." to go work at my family's restaurant and I can't be going to jail. And I was freaking out. So of course my hands are behind my back and I reach over and I'm able to open up the door and the door and the light went on side this police suburban. And all I thought about was like, fucking A, I'm out of here. So I jumped out and let me just tell you real quick. I was in a long skirt, a um, blue and white stripe that was very constraining at the bottom. And I also had like a like a, an inch heel. And so, I mean, I'm dressed up. I'm looking real pretty. I'm out with my friends. And I jumped out and ran. I ran toward this wooded little area on, uh, right by this house that I thought I could squeeze through the um like the bushes and jump to the other side well as i ran into this little wooded bushed area my purse ripped off and I, it was on the ground but holy shit i couldn't find it i'm like looking around and even if i could have found it i couldn't even grabbed it i don't know so i looked around i couldn't find it darted off around the corner and up this side street i ran down like hiding behind trees, looking quite ridiculous. I went by a woman's house that I knew and I thought, oh my gosh, should I go to her house? Should I ask her for help? But I thought, no, I need to keep running and get to my parents' house. So I'd run around this triangular street, then cut across and then back up Cambridge, the way that we had come. Darting once again behind bushes, darting behind the trees when I could, trying to be inconspicuous. But how do you, how are you inconspicuous when you have handcuffs on and you're running? So I end up getting to my parents' house. Um, it was a, a like almost two blocks away. And I get there and I go to the back door and the door is locked. And I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe this. I can't get into the house. I'm sweating, I'm sweating, I'm sweating. So I look over and I look to the neighbors and um, uh, one of the boys my age had the light on in his bedroom and I could see him walking around. So I said, hey, you, can you come to the door? I need to, you know, can you come downstairs? So he came downstairs, he opened the door and I said, oh my gosh, don't ask any questions. I need to borrow your phone. And back in the day, we knew people's phone numbers. We didn't have anything like cell phones. And so I had to have him dial up my friend. He hands me the, he puts the phone in the nook of my neck and my friend answers and I'm like, 
holy shit, Dan. Oh my gosh. I just got pulled over. I just got handcuffed and I left the scene and I'm at a friend's house and he goes, you've got to be kidding me. There is no way. And I said, holy shit. Yes, it is. And oh my gosh. Now, of course, I'm excited about the situation and my voice is elevated kind of like it is now. But my neighbor was like, you got to hold it down. I think my parents, and we heard some ruckus and noises upstairs. And so, and this is about midnight. So, you know, his parents are hearing something going on and I know I was loud. And so I'm like, Dan, oh my gosh, I'm in a bunch of trouble. I got to go. We hang up the phone. I run out of my neighbors. These guys, we shared um, a driveway. I ran back through my backyard, which is a fenced in area down across another street, which was a dead end, through another neighbor's backyard, through their, you know, like brush in, um, in their, uh, like, forested area. I came to the street to Lake Drive, where my car was. I could see it. So I darted across the street. I went behind another person's, like, front a bushed area hiding and then the next I crossed the street to the next house that had a fenced in yard so I darted behind that fenced in yard and right there kitty corner I mean right I mean it was like if I crossed the street there my car was sitting there on the left hand side of the street now I knew the reason that I was doing this was that my brother was supposed to be over at a friend's house and so I was going to go over there and I was going to get him to get me back into the house so I run down I, I just like dart past my car run down and I come to the garage door where I hear a party going on I burst in and I said, where's Gibber? And my brother's friends were like, holy shit, because here I am sweating my ass off bright red, just looking quite crazily with my hands behind my back. And they say, what is going on? And I said, I just escaped out of this police car. Holy shit. I need to get in my house. My car is back there. Let's go get some keys and bring it back to my house. And they said, oh my gosh, well, Gibber isn't here, but we will take you to find him. So we jump in the back of my buddy's car. There was three of us besides myself that left. And we went over to where my brother's girlfriend lived. We go, we look, there's no sign of them or any car. So one of the boys is like, don't you worry, Diane, we'll go back to your house and we'll get into your house. So we pull up in the driveway. And as we assess the scene, we go to the back door and as I'm, uh, we're kind of knocking again, and my brother comes to the door, and I go, Gibber, you got to help me. And he goes, holy shit, you're in so much fucking trouble. The police are going to come and get you any minute. And I'm just like, of course, I've not even thought about this. All I did was thinking about escaping and not getting in trouble with my parents, but not. I never thought about the ramifications of me just jumping out of a police car. That is a felony. Like, what the fuck? So. I tell my brother, make me a peanut butter sandwich. I, when I was, well, through the years trying to hide alcohol from my parents, I always ate peanut butter because it had up the, um, the smell of alcohol. So I was doing something to try to absorb that. So he is just like, the police are going to be here anytime. I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, you guys got to help me get these handcuffs off. And they're like, no way are we touching you. You are in serious trouble. 
So I told him to make the sandwich. I ran upstairs and was able to get my skirt off. And then I was able to um, uh, take those shoes off. And I called my brother to help me. Like I put on some shorts and, and, and so come back down to the commotion. So the girlfriend that I was with, uh, we ended up calling her and telling her what happened. And she said, don't worry. I helped my sisters one, my sister one time. I'll come over and help you get out of those cuffs. So in the meantime, I am just still shitting my pants and my brother can't believe what happened. And the boys are like, let's figure out a way to get her out of these handcuffs. Well, I said, how about you guys go over and get my car? And so we did have an extra set of car keys and I just was so upset. I couldn't really get him to do it. So I went to the couch and just put my face in the couch. You know, it's just like, I here I am, face in the couch, hands behind and handcuffs. I'm kneeling there, starting to cry. It's actually a fake cry. And saying, you gotta help me, you gotta help me. And everything went really quiet. And I look up and the boys were gone, except for one of them was sitting next to me. And all of a sudden I had had this epiphany that, oh my gosh, I have done the most, this is, this is so wrong what I've done. And oh my gosh, I said to the guy, call 1-800-LAWYER, what in the heck have I done? I am in so much trouble. I can't even fathom what's going to happen next. Well, what happened next was the boys came back with the car. They put it into my parents' garage and shut the garage door and came in. I'm one of the boys. Um, in the meantime, my girlfriend shows up and she starts to try to pick the handcuffs. Well, it's just getting tighter and tighter. And my wrists were just getting more sore and more sore. And I'm just like, please break my wrist. Let's get these cuffs off. I couldn't even pull, you know, sometimes people um, I've seen like pull their arms over their butt and then they're able to like step out. I couldn't do anything like that. I just was just screw, like pleading for help of to getting released from this. So one of the boys came up with an idea of getting some hedge clippers and we were able to actually clip the head hip clip the handcuffs in half. So now I am no longer held behind. I am now um my hands are free and oh my gosh but those cuffs were still pretty tight. So then we one of the boys decided, let's put them in the vise and we're going to file a groove and we will saw them off. And which we did. And oh my gosh. So all this is going on. And I would have to say that at least a half an hour to 45 minutes, it felt like probably had passed. And we were just freaking out. But I was able to get out of the handcuffs. And I, I, immediately got some ice and started packing my wrists. And so because they had gotten so swollen, I could see bruising and there had been a small little cut from when um, the saw kind of nicked my skin. So there was a little bit of that um, evidence that, you know, the little of the cutting being done. And so these guys, we couldn't believe it. I was, uh, so freaked out. And here I am, I'm supposed to move to Ludington the next day to move there to work at my family restaurant for the summer. And uh, that's all like, that was my concern. And, and so 
my we didn't know what was going to happen. We kept on waiting for the cops to come. So no one ever came and we ended up I ended up going to bed and I had my I, my wrist packed with ice. Um woke up bright and early in the morning and I went downstairs um getting my other car packed up. And I'm like, shit, I need to go find my, uh, my license and my purse. So there was still another car at my family house. So I took the other car, not the Toyota that I had gotten pulled over. And we, I went down and I looked over by the area in which I had run and where I lost my purse. And lo and behold, there was my purse. I couldn't believe it. So what do I do? I get in my car back to my parents. Um, I had packed up the Toyota. My friend who was trying to help me get out of the cuffs, who was actually moving with me to Ludington, we get packed up um, and we actually went and we made a pit stop at the friend's house where we were the night before and like told them what had happened. And so low, then we came back through town um, and we went the back streets out of East Grand Rapids, out of Grand Rapids, so that we wouldn't be noticed and and took off to go to Ludington. And that is, I went up to Ludington and I couldn't believe it. Now, my wrists were all swollen and I was supposed to work at my restaurant that day, but my and my wrists were actually swollen and very sore, like I couldn't do any heavy lifting. So I had to actually go and admit, saying I couldn't work. I was working in the salad department. We were lifting like heavy tubs, making dressings and all of our delicious salads that we had on our salad bar. And so I had to tell my mom and um, my manager that I wasn't able to work. I had hurt my wrist um, and I got my my wrist caught up in a rope swing. And that was my problem. And so here I am lying to my mom, telling her what happened. And oh my gosh, she just really shook her head and couldn't believe it. And so I'm gonna leave you there. And this is part one of the, epic story of my escaping arrest. And so I'm going to come back and I next time I'm going to continue to share what happened with the 420 reasons why I quit drinking. And this is part one of the escaping arrest. Hey guys, so thanks for listening to part one that will continue on next week, and um, you can hear what really comes about from this whole situation. You know, it was so crazy that I thought I could ever do what I did, and it was always the alcohol that just influenced me to um, to choose so many bad decisions. I thought I was having a fun time. And I was just being an idiot so often. And it's just, I say this every time, I'm so grateful that I had God's protection, that I did not get in more trouble about what I'd done. I mean, all the risks that I took, I was not even concerned about it. 
Like uh, jumping out of a police car should never been done. That was just putting myself in jeopardy of going to jail, to prison. I always was gambling with my life. I was always just looking to have fun, have a good time. I wasn't thinking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Alcohol just had control of me. And you know what? It caused so many complications in my life. I took so many chances and I never even thought about the probability of those things, chances going the wrong way. I had poor judgment. It just really makes me so grateful that I no longer drink. And I, um, it's 12 years in September, which is so wonderful. The other thing that I think I've been sharing with you lately is that um, I did a Sober Curious Challenge. And it is day number 16 for me. And I have not been smoking weed. And it's been really cool. I feel like so much more focused. I have a lot more energy. I get up and I get my stuff done. And I can also tell you and share with you that I do attribute part of this um, more focus and energy to... um, the support that I've been getting from CBD. And I just think this new journey that I'm on with CBD is just going to continue to enhance my life. And besides enhancing my life, it is here to support me. I'm finding that it is support it's supporting my endocannabinoid system, which is putting my body like into balance and into a homeostasis. You know, the um, endocannabinoid system is like a Christmas tree. And if all the lights are working, everything is lit up. But if you have a wink, a weak link, then the whole, all your lights will go out. So you really need to work on um, getting your body back there as in, in which I am. And it's amazing because, you know, this endocannabinoid um, system, if it's out of balance, it can affect your appetite, your sleep, your digestion, your mood and your memory, your metabolism and your hormones, and even your heart function. So the CBD, what it does, it goes in and supports those areas. It supports the sleep. It supports getting better sleep. It supports leveling out and reducing that anxiety. This pain cream that it's got for, um, well, it's to reduce your pain cream. It's a miracle. Um, Well, and I want to say for certain people, it has really been a game changer. I've seen people that have had Parkinson's that have been able to stop their tremors. And so I continue to learn more about it. I'm going to be sharing uh, more on a uh, lunch and learn. So if you're interested in learning more about that, DM me and I'll share that with you. I'm going to be on a panel with other women that are involved with me in Green Compass in this incredible community where we continue to learn about CBD and the healing and the supportive effects that it has on your systems, how it can support you, your family, your animals, your children. It is safe for children because I don't know if you realize there is marijuana that is psychoactive that makes you feel and then CBD comes from hemp which makes you heal 
So please let me know if you're interested in learning more about that because I want to support you. It is supporting me and I have um, some drinks during those happy hour times and times that I would normally smoke that I have been um, enjoying. My favorite currently is we have this collagen that is a fresh melon and it's um, fortified with some olive leaf extract and some biotin. There are seven grams of protein in here, three different kinds of um, um, collagen. And I love it. It also has CBG, which is um, the mother of all cannabinoids. And when you have CBD and the CBG, you get this synergistic effect that is just enhancing the endocannabinoid system and making it work even better. And I like when it's time to have that drink um, or if it's time to have that smoke for me, I've been mixing up this little beverage and thoroughly enjoying it. I get a, a boost in a, like extra energy and my hair, which I have a plethora of, I'm seeing this new hair growth, which I am loving and my nails. And I actually had this spot on my face that is um, like almost like vanished, which is amazing. So I'm thankful to be able to continue to share my journey and I also want you to know that if you want one-on-one -on -one support, I am offering a program that is designed to support you in your sober, curious experience. And these are tools that I have been using that have supported me, that has moved me into the um, forward, into the place where I am. Um, I feel so fortunate to no longer be drinking. Like I said, it's been 12 years and I just um, continue to learn about different things that I can do to support myself, the CBD experience, eating healthy, finding healthy alternatives. You know, I'm making my sticky balls. That really supports because when you quit drinking, you get that sweet tooth because you're no longer drinking all that sugar. And it is amazing. Um, what I have been able to do to even just switch my mindset. Now, you know, it takes 90 days to start a new habit and I want to be there to support you in a experience. And please let me know, reach out because I'm here to do that with you. And so thanks for coming by and listening. Uh, next part two will be out next week. And, um, you know, this has been a really great experience. This is the opening chapter in my book, The 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking. I started it as a podcast. In my mind, it was always a book. And then I thought, this is the best way to bring it to life. So here it is, and I'm bringing it to life. And how about I leave you guys with um, um, some questions for yourself just to think about. And to do some journaling, because this is the best thing I do. What are you looking for in alcohol? I could say I answered these questions. What was I looking for in the weed? 
what do I want from it? How does it present itself as a good time? So really, what are you looking for alcohol? And take some time and journal about that. And then leave me a message on what you think. And we can talk about it. I have discovery calls available. You can find those in my show notes. Um, And I am here. Um, No one needs to go through this alone. There's no judgment for where you're at. Um, And I just want to support you where you want to go. I'm here. And thanks again for stopping by. Have a great day. God bless. And we'll talk to you next time. So thanks again for stopping by. I'm so glad you did. If you have an opportunity and you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review it. Share it with your friends. Leave me a message. Let me know what you think. I greatly appreciate all your times that you're coming by and listening. And as I shared about CBD, if you guys are interested in learning more about the effects and what CBD could do for your life, let me know. I got to tell you, besides the wonderful um, the effects that CBD can have on your body, getting your endocannabinoid system balanced, there's a great community available. And on top of that, the business opportunity is unbelievable. Something like you've never experienced before. The whole CBD experience is quite awesome. I'm super excited to be on it. So if you're interested in more, let me know. Reach out. DM me. I am here to share more. CBD for the summer. We actually just came out with, there is a new lemon-lime collagen that is of a margarita flavor. And as I said, I was enjoying some CBD powdered drinks at the Grateful Dead. And now I've got another flavor to add to the repertoire. So I'm going to have my own CBD margarita. Who wants to join me? Cheers to you. Reach out to me. Take care and God bless.